You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me to John chapter 2. Come with me to John chapter 2. John chapter 2. How good was Kanoa? Kanoa, beautiful Bree. I had to look twice. I'm like, hang on, that's Kanoa and Bree that lived in Salt Lake City. How long have you guys been here? Is it nearly two years? Only nearly two years. We're just so grateful that you're here. So grateful that you're here. You guys are beautiful people. What a future you have ahead of you. What a future you guys have ahead of you. Just keep loving each other, loving God, and loving your pastors. I'm serious. It's, it's that simple. And it's not easy. All three of them aren't easy. I mean, it's easy to love Mike and Katie. That's the easy part. What's not to love about Mike? How many people love Mike and Katie? Aren't they just beautiful? Two of my favorite humans on the planet. All right, John chapter two. You ready? John chapter two. The title of this message is, oh, 13 minutes. All right. The title of this message is, I heard it through the grapevine. How much longer would you be mine? Yeah. Anyway, I heard it through the grapevine. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Everyone say wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. How many people know when you start calling your mama woman? Your hour just came. Your hour just arrived. Yeah, up till now, you may say, yeah, 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 you know what? Your hour has just, you want to call me woman? Guess what? So his mother said to his servants, whatever he says to you, do it. You know, she's like, yeah, oh yeah, you want to call me woman? We'll see. Now there, there, there was a set of six uh, wash pots, six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And then he said to them, now draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it was from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. That, that would have been a very, very... Uh, because the bridegroom doesn't know what's happened. The bridegroom's unaware. The bridegroom actually has abdicated his duty and his responsibility. It was his responsibility to make sure there was enough wine to enjoy the feasting and the celebration. That was his job. His job was to make sure that there was ample wine for the toasting and the celebration of all the people that come. Because all the people that come uh, from family and community and he doesn't just save up to uh, build an extension on on his parents home to bring his bride in but he's also to save up so that they can all celebrate this incredible occasion he has dropped the ball he has failed miserably and when the the master of the feast calls the bridegroom he is coming with his tail between his legs. He is coming in shame. He's coming in humiliation. He's coming ready to say, oh my God, I dropped the ball. I am so sorry. Because he knows, all he knows is that the wine has run out. 
He has no idea that the miracle has taken place. But watch what happens. Watch what he's greeted with. And he says to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you, you have kept the good wine until now. He goes from shame and humiliation into a place of being honored and praised. This is the beginning of the signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is the first of the signs, first of the miracles Jesus did. It's, it's, a, it's a snapshot of what Jesus would do for you and I. You and I, our life has run out of wine. We, we would stand before God in humiliation because we fall short. We, we, we fail to meet God's laws, God's standards. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he, 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 took, he took our water, our humanity, six humanity, and turns it into not just wine, but the most extraordinary wine pleasing to the master of the feast. So that the master of the feast is so perplexed. He says, you know, at most weddings, they bring out the good wine first. And once everyone's drunk a little bit, they bring out the inferior. But you, you have saved the very, very best. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, when we go to, to when we get summoned before the throne, you're going to have, we're all going to have that little bit of that feeling like, oh, shoot, I hope I make it. You know, <laughs> Holy Mary, Mother of God, blessed be the fruit. You know, like we're going to be all, you know, and. But when we stand there, the word that is going to come because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, instead of shame, instead of rejection, instead of humiliation, there's going to be well done, good and faithful servant. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, righteousness of my righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross. The other, the, the other thing that just perplexes me about this story is that, that uh, I just don't understand, and this is going to maybe, uh, if you've had a... a a background in Catholicism. This is going to be a little bit harder for you to digest. But God is so unreligious. Like God in heaven, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus into the earth. So it, it, this is planned out. It's not like God's like, hey, let's just do this and see what happens. Like God's planned it out, right? And then the angels are like, hey, God, God, what, 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 what miracle are you going to do first? You know, what miracle are you going to use to like, like brand mark who you are? Like, what, what, what about raising the dead? Like, what, what about we raise the dead to show everyone you're the, you're the resurrection and the life? And God's like, yeah, yeah, that's good. I hear you. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Gabriel, what is it? What about, what about you cleanse lepers? Like lepers, you know, like leprosy, sin. You know, we can't cleanse us and you cleanse lepers. It's like, I, I, like where the, I like where you're headed. Jesus, for his first miracle, doesn't raise the dead, doesn't cleanse a leper, doesn't open the eyes of the blind. His first miracle is he turns water into wine. Do you know how much that messes up the Baptists? 2,000 years ago, Jesus turns water into wine. And for 2,000 years, the Baptists have been trying to turn it back again. You know, you know why God did that? T tell me, tell me, you, you guys are so smart. What is the most holy site in Israel? 
What's the most holy place in the holy city? It's known as the holy city, the city of David. It's Yerushalayim, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the holy city. The, the, the war over Jerusalem, when, when Donald Trump made Jerusalem the capital, the, 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 the people lost their minds. And yet, Jerusalem was, we know it as the holy city, but it was also the most defiled and corrupt city that Jesus actually marveled and he said, man, surely a prophet won't die outside of Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone the prophets and kill those who were sent to you. Can anybody, you know, can any prophet die outside? Jerusalem, even though it was a holy city, had become so defiled and corrupted by the political establishment. Man in that place had defiled it. It's a picture of this world. And, and here, here, here is Jesus coming into the world and the first miracle that he does is one to upset the mindset of the day because God's like yeah you know what the Sanhedrin the Pharisees the scribes and the Sadducees have misrepresented me people only know me as the great lawgiver and judge because they gave 10 commandments to Moses. So they see me as the lawgiver, the God of exclusion. He's like, before I was a lawgiver, I was a life giver. I only gave the law so that they could understand how to keep their life. I only gave the law so they could understand how to keep their life. Come on, how many people know the 10 commandments aren't burdensome? The 10 commandments are there to protect our lives, not take life from us. But the, my Bible says that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and Adam becomes a living being. God is a life giver. And he says, Jesus, it's about time we show them who the Father really is. Jesus says, do not think I've come to reveal myself. I haven't come to reveal myself. I've come to reveal my Father. We don't actually see who Jesus is till the book of Revelation. His entire time in the Gospels is revealing to you the Father. And He shows us the Father and He shows us, hey, just want to remind you all, He's not a lawgiver, exclusion, disqualifying God. He's the life giver. He's the one when the party looks like it's about to crash and burn. He's the one that brings it back to life. He, he's the one when you've run out of wine, when you've run out of joy, when you've run out of hope, when you've run out, when you think it is over, get ready, get ready, get ready. Just come, go to the life giver and whatever he says to you to do, whatever he tells you to do, you can be in a shower and you can hear give three months rent and then you can lose your business. But whatever he tells you to do, do it. Miracle happens for the receiver and a miracle happens four times greater. Jesus, mother, whatever he says to you to do, do it. So I say all of that in three minutes, three points in Jesus' name. So Jesus turns water into wine and you need to understand at Awakened Church, we don't apologize. It was wine. It was an alcoholic beverage. I believe it was just grape juice. Yeah, well then tell that to the sommelier. He needs to be fired. If a sommelier can't tell the difference between grape juice and alcohol, he's not a sommelier. He knows the difference. When, when he tastes the wine, he's like, my God, the tannins. 
is that California oak? Oh no, California doesn't exist yet. And he's like, Mike. And, and there's, there's 180 gallons. Like he, he, Jesus is just, I mean, he's just messing with religious heads right now. 180 gallons is 1,600 bottles. Now, let me just say, just for those of you who are worried, Jesus didn't say, right, lock the doors. No one's leaving till you're all slot. That's not what he's saying, okay? Because we think moment. We think moment. We think, oh, Jesus, help us out of the moment. Jesus never thinks moment. The, the Bible says he's the God who was past, who is present, and who is to come future. So when God, when God does things, He does it from three dimensions. You and I live in the present, but God, God, God operates in our present, but He's in your future, fixing things, and He's in your past, you know, especially in mine, He's doing a, quite a bit of mopping. In <laughs> He wasn't just thinking about that moment. This is a young couple that just got married. This is some of the finest wine. He's like, when you're finished with all the celebrations, with the rest of the wine, sell it and buy a house. He was setting them up. He turned embarrassment into glory, into honor, into blessing. That's how, that's how awesome our God is. So a few years ago, my wife said to me, we're going to go to Napa. I said, we're going to go to, we're going to go. She goes, yeah, I've always wanted to go to Napa. We're going to go wine tasting. I said, oh, okay. You know, I'm thinking that, you know, it's different. You know, I'd prefer to go surfing, but if you want to, let's, you know, there's probably no surf out in the, I'll, yeah, I'll take one for the team. Let's do it. I'll do it. Done. Yeah, sure. Wine, wine. I could do, I could do, you know, 30, 45 minutes of wine tasting. She's like, no, no, we're going for three days. I'm like, what? She's yeah, we're going to be there for three days. I'm like, what are we going to do? She goes, wine tasting. I'm like, for three days? Like, how hard is it? Like, how hard is it? This one, this one, I perceive it's a red wine. Because when I look at the color, it's red. Even though I hold it, when I hold it up to the light, it's still red. Mmm, yes, yes. Definitely tastes like a red wine. On this one over here, oh, this looks like a white wine. Notice, notice it's not, it's a different color. See, that one's red. If you hold them both up, this one's obviously red and this one's obviously white. There's a difference here. And when I taste this one, oh yeah, that's definitely not, doesn't taste like, it tastes like a white wine. There. Wine tasting done. So when she tells me we're going to be there for three days, Pastor Mike, I'm like, dear, I'm going to lose my mind. What do you mean wine tasting for three days? Like, what? And then, you know, then I'm thinking, oh, you know, maybe I can go up there and, you know, fake stuff, you know, because you, you see these people, you know, you, like sometimes you read those bottles of, you know, wine and it says, you know, you know, hints of coffee bean and tangerine and blackberry hints and some kind of ready for, you know, mm, it's got little hints of cherry and. And I'm thinking, but for three, so I honestly, this is how stupid I am. I, I book appointments while I'm up there. I, there I, you know, there's some pastors and so, 
Stacy, why are you looking at me like that? I always feel judged by... How many people know that her name is Anastasia Espirito Santo Capaldi? I always feel convicted around Stacy. But I do, I'm so stupid. I book these appointments. So I'm having these appointments, these meetings with people just because I'm thinking, but when, when we got to the first one and then I've got the appointment afterwards, I'm thinking, this is my out. Oh, Jurgs, you're a genius. You know, in two hours, I'm going to be leaving here to meet with this pastor and you're so smart. And then we sit down and, and I'm like, what's going on? And they bring out all these charcuteries. And we're sitting outside and the sun's shining and it's this beautiful atmosphere and flowers and music and benches and they start bringing out these you know, little samples of wine and all these breads and cheeses and salamis. And, and I'm like, oh, no one told me about this. And I'm trying to cancel my appointments and it's too late. And so I was such an idiot. So I want to give you three quick thoughts. <coughs> this is going to help you because it's a relationship. It's war. It's uh, love and war. Soils seasons and cycles soils seasons and cycles I heard it through the grapevine some of the most powerful lessons that I've ever learned on kingdom things came from wine and vineyard do not ever think that Jesus was maybe had sunstroke heat stroke when he turned water into wine Jesus is intentional the law of first mentions. A religious spirit would try and disqualify. And absolutely, if you struggle with alcohol, don't drink. My father was an alcoholic. When I got saved at 18, I was glad to not touch another drop of alcohol for almost 13 years. I, I was glad to do that. But don't dismiss, don't throw out what Jesus did. The first thing we learned, we're in Napa and... We were in uh, Stag's Leap and there was a Polish migrant worker who had come over from Poland and who was working for the owner of the vineyard there. And he, he noticed that there was a creek that ended the property where all the vineyards were growing. And then there was just this, this few acres of vacant land on the other side of the creek budding onto the back of the mountain. And because the mountain was in the way, it didn't get as much sunshine as over here. And so he kept saying, listen, I'm working for you and you're paying me a salary, but would you sell me that land? Would you sell me that land? Because I want to have my own vineyard one day. And finally, reluctantly, the, the owner of that portion of the vineyard said, you know what? I'll sell it to you for $100,000, which means, you know, you can pay it off over the next five years of working for me. And so that's what he did. And so he just thought it's, it's land that he didn't even bother to plant. He didn't bother to put anything in because it's, it's blocked by the mountain and it doesn't get as much direct sunlight as, as this. So this Polish migrant worker buys all that land and then takes some of these vines, some of these, and the, the man was very generous, let him take and plant, so he started planting. That was in 1971. In 1976, there was what they called the Paris Blind Taste Test where they had cab salves from all over the world. And Paris had always won. Fra Fra I mean, France had always won. They, 
they were known for their French wines. But for the first year, unanimous, five out of the seven judges chose the wine that was from this particular vineyard and it literally put California wines on the map. The owner of the other side who sold him that couldn't, couldn't understand why his wine tasted better until they realized that when it rains, it washes soils, minerals, and sediments down. And so because of that, that rip, this side, the soil is so rich in nutrients. It's actually the soil that determines both the quality and the taste of the wine. It's the soil that determines the quality and the taste of the wine. There's a parable in the Bible, Matthew 13, it's called the parable of the, of the sower. But really it should be the parable of the soils because it talks about four types of soil. By the wayside, shallow soil, soils filled with, with uh, vines and, and filled with thorns and thistles and, and weeds that choke the life. That's why it's so important when you come into church, you got to let, let God do some weeding. Especially if you've been hurt in another church. You talk to Pastor Stacy, she's been around a little bit. She'll tell you. What we've seen is we've seen people with incredible giftings, incredible call of God, touch of God, absolutely evident over their life, but they never flourish. They never break out because they never allow the Holy Spirit, they never allow the Father, the vine dresser, to weed the thorns, the thistles, and the wheat from their past out, and it chokes the life of the Word. You can't come into a new place holding on to bitterness from the old place. You can't come into a new house and say, yeah, but I'll never trust the pastor because that pastor burned me. Yeah, I'm never going to fully submit because there's other places. That's going to choke the Word. You've got to let God heal. You've got to let God pull that out. You know, the, 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 and then the fourth soil was good soil. 30, 60, 100 fold. What I found is that, that the soil is the heart. The soil is the heart. If you want to have great wine in relationships, you have to, you have to become the steward of your spouse's heart. You've all heard the story, 1997, we just finished building a house. It was how Leanne had now given me my second son, Ash, but we were fighting all the time. And I'd love to tell you, we were fighting fair. We weren't, the, the, I knew my father used to hit my mother. I knew that was off the table because it was so traumatic. I remember just how disturbing that was when that would happen in our home. So I made vows that I would never do that. So my go-to when I got angry was my, my mouth. I was anointed to speak, but I wasn't anointed to tear her down. But I would say the most nasty things, call her names, cut her down, belittle her. This one day we have this massive fight. She just says, I'm tapping out, I'm done. I'm done, this is not what I signed up for. And so I went for a walk with God and God just spoke to me and said, she's a product of your husbandry. I remember turning around and walking back and I'm looking in the, the window. And you know when it's dark outside and it's light inside? 
you can't see out because it's dark. So the, the window becomes like a mirror. But I can see in. And there was my beautiful Leanne, and she's at the at the kitchen sink and she's just washing up and her hair is kind of disheveled. And ever since I dated her, when I courted her, she had this little spark. And it's a spark of mischievous. I see it in you, Katie. So don't act all innocent in the and she was like mischievous and naughty and fun, and but that was gone. The spark was gone. The life was gone. And then the Holy Spirit literally showed me, just kind of gave me this list of all the words that I'd been speaking into her heart. And he says, you have made the soil of her heart acidic. And it is killing the life of the vine. Because this is what will happen to you, Jurgs, unless you change what you, whoa, her heart is her responsibility, it's her soil. Yeah, well, get ready. Because you're going to be in the place where there's no wine and you're going to go looking in other vineyards for wine. Oh, there's wine over here, but guess what, Jack Wagon? The same moron over there that ruined that soil, you're going to ruin the soil over here. And then what are you going to do? Move on to another, another vineyard and spoil the vine over there? That's a history of so many people. We're here to stop you from making a mess. You can stay in this one. You can stay in this vineyard. And you can be begin to change the soil. It's such a good message, but I'm, I'm out of time. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Right, seasons, seasons. Is this all right? I know, look, it's only 20 past 10. I love you. You're so awesome. Okay. All right, this is what we learned. This is what I'm going to try and combine the last two into one. So, this is what we learned. We learned so seasons and cycles. So, this is what we learned. So, when we were up there, they, they, talked, about, they talked about how uh, 2014 was, it was a terrible season. It was a terrible season. But what was amazing was they were still open in 2015. They were still open in 2016. They said, yeah, we don't shut down a vineyard because we had a bad year. You, you, you don't shut up shop because you had a bad season. I'm like, dear Jesus, how many people quit their business because it had a bad season? How many people quit on relationships because they had a bad season? How many people have quit on God because they went through a bad season? How many people quit on their spouse because they had vineyard? I heard it through the grapevine that vineyard owners, they don't shut up shop. They don't close up when they go through a bad season. So we go the following year, it might be 2018 now, and we go to these three little known vineyards that are, I'd never heard of before. And the first one was owned by the guy who invented the floppy disk for uh, Macintosh. And, uh, and he'd named, he named the, the Chardonnay after his wife, Barbara. And they'd been married like 53 years or something. And so he names, and I mean, it was, a, it was an amazing Chardonnay. The next place we go to where th th there's a mountain and we're walking towards this, what's kind of more of a hill, but it's, you know, it's, it's quite a significant hill. 
And I'm like, why are we walking towards a hill? Like I see the vines down there. Why are we walking? And then there's this kind of this big door. It looks like something out of Lord of the Rings where the hobbits would live. And then we open these doors and we go down and it's like this cellar. And that's where their wine tasting room was. And they had this stunning table and cheeses. And I'm like, dear, and the wine was incredible. And then the guy is telling us how this owner uh, is also, you know, a, a rich guy and he, you know, has built this and he's been married 47 years and he named uh, the Pinot after his daughter and he named, uh, I think it was one of the, the uh, blends after his, after his wife and he'd been married 47 years. Then we go to another place and this one had been married like 51 years. And the, the sommelier is telling us all about the wine and he says, you know, right now, you know, you, the wine that you're sampling is the, the 212 and you know, that one there is the 210 and that one's the 211. And, and, uh, and then Becky Lynn Heinrich says, well, it's 218. You got anything modern? Like where's the, and he says, well, the best wine, the best wine that we know is gonna be the best is the 213. Yes, but I haven't tasted it yet. And we're like, well, you guys are a little slow. It's 2018. Why haven't you tasted the, the 213? He says, oh, because it takes five years to make a good wine. He goes, none of us have tasted it yet. It's still, it's in the last stages of it being produced. So it's blown my mind. Then he's telling us how in 2013, they had the severest drought to hit California. They had brutally hot temperatures. He says, and what that does is it, it, it puts such stress on the, the vines, they have to dig down deeper to find water. And that stress causes the, the flavor of the grape to increase. He says, but this, what was crazy about that year was not only did they have extreme highs, that extreme lows, they had some of the most severest frosts. He says, and if there's one thing that kills grapes, it's frost. And he says, and the only grapes that survive are the grapes that can thicken their skin. He says, so we all know that 2013, he says, if you can find a bottle of 2013 red wine from Napa, buy it. It'll be the flavor, the taste. He says, you know. And so then Becky says, you know, and I, I love that my team think I know things. So she's like, hey, pastor. Why, why is it that all these vineyard owners are all married for like, you know, 50, 50 years plus, you know, two of them over 50 and one you know, coming up to 50, as if I knew. And I'm like, how the hell, you know, that's what I'm thinking. And, uh, but the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost says, says, oh, Becky, because they're, they're vineyard owners. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And then he showed me. I said, oh my gosh. He said, because this is what we do. When we go through a season of severe drought in our relationship, because everything, everything operates in seasons and cycles. Do you know that one year is one cycle around the sun? All the plants, everything are continually moving. Everything is continually in a cycle. The Bible teaches that there are four seasons. If you fall in love with someone in summer, before you put a ring on the finger, you may just want to date them in winter. Because everybody's pretty good in summer. But you may want to check out what they, I wonder how they are in winter before you come in. Because it's not summer all year. So there are seasons and cycles. 
So many people quit because of the bad season. So many quit because... And the Holy Spirit showed me this and He says, Becky, He says, so many people when they go through a season of drought, where there's no water, where there's no love, where there's, they're just fighting all the time because God is processing stuff in them. Two broken people come together when they get married. Or when they go through a season of frost, it's frosty, it's cold, everything is shut and there's stuff that's falling off that should be, instead of it, there being an ample supply of love, an ample supply of affection, an ample supply of romance, that stuff's falling off and, and there's thick skins. Most people say, you know what, I'm out of here, but not a, not a, not a winemaker. A winemaker, he's not going to divorce. He ain't quitting. He's like, I didn't just go through the severest drought. I didn't just go through a season of the severest frost to divorce this wine and let somebody else come in and enjoy the vintage in five years time of what just took place there. He knows that if it's severe drought and if it's severe frost, he knows, hey baby, in five years time, the greatest vintage. God processes through time. God uses seasons and cycles. Don't quit in the dark. I'm reading a book at the moment and it's rocking my world. And the book, book's entitled this, uh, Hard Times Create Strong Men. And in the book, Katie, it opens up with what they call the hero generation. Do you know which one the hero generation is? See, Mike knows everything. He knew straight away. World War II, the World War II generation. The World War II generation, they were born in the 1920s. By the time they were 10, they were living in a Great Depression. 1930 was the Great Depression. Then by the time they were in their late teens, 18, 19, 20, they were sent off to war to fight Nazi Germany to literally save the world from, from this Nazi regime. If they made it back from World War II, if they made it back from there, many of them were wounded. All of them were traumatized by what they saw. But when they came back, America was rebuilding and they, they built homes with their bare hands. They got married and stayed married because divorce wasn't an option for that generation. They had children, they raised those children and they worked for a company, one company, until they retired 40 years later. And to this day, historians look back and say that America's greatness and her prosperity, blessing and wealth today is because of that hero generation. They're a hero generation because they didn't quit in the hard times. They didn't give up in the drought. They didn't back up in the severe famine. They didn't back up when there, it, there was a, a heavy frost. They hung in there because they put duty, they put principle. I want you to know today that Jesus is the God who turns water into wine. When you've run out, the miracle happened because they ran out. There are going to be times where you got no more fighting. You got no more love in you. You got no more forgiveness in you. You got no more grace in you. Guess what? You're the smartest people in all of San Diego because you know that there is a house. And in that house, there is a master of the house. His name is Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. And you know you can come to Him and He can turn ordinary water into the most extraordinary Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, 
go to awakenchurch.com. 